all bad things. Tragedy. Tragedies, disasters. That's bad things. Trigger warning for everything possible. What? <gasps> okay. I'm Rachel. <laughs> I'm David. And this is All Bad Things. Welcome, everybody. Welcome. I, th- I think we've probably, I think the hello thing has probably run its course at this point. I'm sorry, 212 episodes <laughs> in, it's mandatory. I'm not sure if it is anymore. When did I start doing it? Almost right away, I believe. Was it pretty much? Yeah, I think so. I think, I almost forgot that it was because of Mona. It might be, yes. <clears throat> hello, my name is Mona. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Um, follow us into Twitter, Facebook at All Bad Things Pod. Email us allbadthingspod at gmail.com. Join our Discord and our Facebook discussion group. If you want to write a script, we will take it. Um, we've had questions like what's the best way to submit it, best format, um, Word doc or PDF, but it really it kind of doesn't matter. Um, and at our email is the best way to get it. Yeah. Or to get it to us, yes. Um, we've got like a nice little bevy of <laughs> a treasure trove of listener scripts. Which is that is what all nice. these are? These are all oh, listener okay. scripts. Yeah. Look at that. Very nice. I know. It's quite a bit, which is good because by the time this episode comes out, it will be one week countdown for me going back to work mm-hmm. on a very regular schedule and not being my own boss anymore. The, the first time you've had a regular job since we've hosted this podcast. <clears throat> yes, because I got laid off. We had recorded a couple episodes already, but we hadn't so. released it. Because I got laid off like two weeks before. Yeah. 2017 was a big year. Yes, it was. So, yeah. Um, Watch out. I think you're going to knock it right into your beer if you move your arm. I'm not going. I know okay. it's there. Right. <laughs> Speaking of which, what are we drinking? We are both having Deep Rivers Mango Tango Foxtrot. It's a very good IPA. It's a little not hoppy for, for me. Yeah, is it? Do you? Because I'm not an IPA fan. I'm not. I, I, there are certain ones I like, and that's about it. Uh, but this is one of them. Okay. I pretty much like everything Deep River does. I like Deep River. Yeah, they're out of Clayton. Clayton. North Carolina. Not to be confused with Clayton, New York. Clayton everywhere. Probably, <laughs> probably basically is a Clayton everywhere. every state, every country has a Clayton. <laughs> it's like Greenville. I think there's one in every state. <laughs> yep. Mount Vernon is another one. Oh, by the way... um. I was uh, messaging with Al, who, mm-hmm. of course, we're continuing his uh, topic and script this week, and uh, he said that he was a- he was very much in the vicinity of where I was when I was living in Mount Vernon. Oh, okay. He was nice. in the uh, southern Indiana slash Kentucky area okay. as well during that time period, so... Um, we got great response to the topic yes. and to Al's script. Absolutely. Which is well deserved, in my opinion. Yes, this is a, this is a really great s- script. I appreciate the first person nature of it. Yes, yeah. I this I, I do believe this is our first ever first person narrative. Mm-hmm. We have had listeners definitely use like first hand knowledge of sure. certain topics, like Lee is written on fires. Mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, if you haven't already, let me see. This episode is coming out on the. 26th. 26th. 
Of July. I th- yes. 2021. I th- right. Good point, because people do listen to us like in a binge. Yeah. Um, I think Lee's book is um, coming out officially at the end of this month. Okay. So there's still time to pre-order. I've pre-ordered. Um, but, of course, because... I'm super special. I also, well, we also got a copy (laughs) of the paperback from Lee, and I have been reading it and enjoying it greatly. Um, I I have also been, well, it's my own insecurity that I've felt a little silly while reading it. I had to look up what the bloody flux was, although that's kind of an old-fashioned term. I think it's dysentery. Oh, okay. I think. I hope I got that right. Anyway, I looked it up when I read it. And then there, <laughs> I meant to tell Lee this. There's a <clears throat> the opening of one of the chapters said something like, um, "When Dawn greeted Molly the next day," and I was saying to myself, "Who's Dawn? There's nobody named Dawn in this." And then I'm like, "Oh, the morning Dawn." Oh. <laughs> Here I am, like, "Who's Dawn?" It was, was it capitalized? No. Well, okay. it was the first letter of the first word of the sentence, so yes. But okay. it it given the context of the the prose style, I should have known. Sure. <laughs> but my first thing was just like, "Who's Don?" <laughs> Don greeted Molly. Well, and I'm paraphrasing, but anyway. But yes, Molly's song by Lee Hutch. Be sure to order it if you haven't already. Excellent book. And Lee is um, a good friend of ours. Also, listen to Old Flames by Lee. Yes. Mm-hmm. I think he. I think he recently covered the Great Chicago Fire, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. I think that that's what it was. And he was so nice. He was like, "Are you planning to do this anytime soon? I don't want to step on your toe." I'm like, "Oh my goodness, no! Please do yeah, do whatever, whatever you want, because." I mean, also he's the firefighter. He's <laughs> he gets yeah. uh, he gets first pick of those. Yeah. <laughs> you beat this prick long enough, he'll tell you you started the goddamn Chicago fire. Now that doesn't necessarily make it fucking so. Can I guess where that's from? It's from Reservoir Dogs. Oh, <laughs> you know what I was gonna guess, right? What? Goodfellas. Oh uh, yeah, that would have been a good guess. <laughs> I like Reservoir Dogs. Oh, I I still think it's probably Tarantino's best film. Yes, I would agree with that because a lot of his films suck. Uh, no. I, I mean, I, I'm not into him as much as I used to be, but I mean, it's he makes. So a you think Reservoir Dogs is better than Pulp Fiction? By like a hair, it's like okay. it's like one A, one B. I yeah. think it's by a landslide because no. I didn't appreciate it's not by, Pulp Fiction. It's not Fiction. by a landslide, but anyway. Yeah. The you know what killed it for me? The fucking twist scene in the hamburger joint or whatever. There's no twist scene. Yeah, they dance. Oh, the twist. Oh, you mean the? I thought you meant like a plot twist. No, no, no. Here, here like, we go, like confusing the, words again. The word, the tw- the dance, the <laughs> twist. <laughs> that was. Re- I was like, what are they doing? It what literally are they lasted even doing? for like thirty seconds. But it made no sense. None. Of- that movie didn't make sense. Yes, it did because they were both high on coke, and she wanted to dance. It made perfect sense. No, no. The whole film was. Actually, no. I'm sorry. He was high on heroin. She was high on coke. Well, that's an important. She wanted to dance. It was his job. For her to do whatever she wanted. So that's why they danced. So. And then she almost killed herself by snorting his heroin. Is that when they, like, stabbed the needle into her chest? <laughs> yeah. uh, Spoiler I... alert for a 27 year old movie. Oh my goodness. <laughs> that, no, I don't get that movie. I don't get that movie at all. 
Um, more to the point, we recently watched Rear Window and To Catch a Thief after we did the Grace Kelly episode. Yeah, Rear Window was an excellent film. To Catch a Thief was, eh. There were some, yeah, it was was not Hitchcock's finest film ever. Also, Cary Grant, do you think he self-tanned or, like, did a tanning booth? Or was he literally just hanging out in Nice? I'm going to guess, like, he was maybe, like, the first person that ever tried a tanning bed. (laughs) <laughs> and stayed in there way yeah, too long. Yeah, in there, yeah. What it does show... <laughs> when they actually gave you cancer. <laughs> what it does show is how poorly... Like, first of all, they lit him terribly, considering how much he well, had I th- tanned. I think part of that was because of... There was a few scenes on the water, which that's very hard to light. Well, because it's natural light, yes. yes, and bright sun mm-hmm. and all that. And that, yeah. yes, and, and a lot of scenes were filmed like on a sunny day, which is also hard to light. Like me, the, the lighting expert, and I really have no fucking clue <laughs> what I'm talking about. But I do know from watching like directors' commentaries and stuff, like filming on the water. Number oh, one, reflecting is, the sun yes, too. Yes, that's why it's hard to light. And number yes. two, it is like it's pretty much like the one thing that a studio is going to be like, no, you can't film on water because. You can't control the water. Yeah. Literally. Yeah, you no. You can't control what it's going to do. Especially so th- an ocean. <laughs> yes. So things are going to move mm-hmm. around when you... Do, it's mm-hmm. just... Yeah. That's why movies filmed on water cost so much fucking money. Yeah. That makes sense. And always go over budget and always go over schedule. Yeah. Um, just ask Kevin Costner of Waterworld. Oh, <laughs> jeez. Or Steven Spielberg of Jaws. Or, Steven Spielberg's uh, like, I will never film a movie on water ever again. James Cameron of Titanic. There you go. Mm-hmm. Although that was shot in like an actual dive pool. Oh, okay. They yes. did. Th- they they didn't do anything on open water. Uh, I don't think so. Okay. Maybe some of the, um, what am I trying to? It's a certain type of shot. Uh, maybe some of the establishing shots oh, okay. might have been. Yep, yep, yep. That but, makes sense. But they had, but he rebuilt almost to a T. I kind of remember that. The yeah. Titanic, but they had it in a giant. Um, tank, tank which I believe yeah. is the same tank that he filmed the Abyss in. Oh, yes. Well, that's interesting. I never saw the. So Abyss. they had they had the Titanic replica on hydraulics, so it could break and do all sorts of things. At, gotcha. Yeah, so it was filmed. That just reminds me of. Um, so the reason I know the titles of some movies that I've never seen is because my parents were big HBO recorders, VHS recorders mm-hmm. back too. in the day. So I was too. my parents had a huge and I was too. too. I did it with TV shows. Um my parents had a huge movie collection to the point and and you know they would put they would use the what is it SLP so that you could fit six mo- or three movies yeah, for 6 hours. And it always made for <clears throat> shitty quality. It so did, I, but you could fit more in. It was cheaper. But I switched to the like the EP. better yes, the better mm-hmm. ones that it was like a 6-hour cassette but it would film on on a certain I think it, you're right on the on the EP or whatever. Yep, EP was 2 hours. Yes. Then there was SP which it was use, 4 and SLP which was It would was use six. 6 hours of film to film to record 2 hours worth right, of stuff. Right. So it was it nicer quality. Yeah. yeah. No, my parents always used SLP, so did I so that we I could get one, as I, many. I, I, wonder where those all those tapes are who the fuck the, knows a dump somewhere in the pacific <laughs> yeah, ocean unfortunately yeah. and we had so many movies and so many tapes that we had a catalog of them an alphabetized catalog that my mom typed on a typewriter um and numbered the the tapes we were easily in the 200s and uh because she used a typewriter when i think of some 
movie titles, I think of them spelled wrong because she accidentally made a typo. Um, and I'm pretty sure the abyss was the abyss. The best. <laughs> anyway, we've been going on way too long. You're right. Let's, you're right. Let's get into the topic. Because, as you'll recall, when last we met, um, Al left us with, this would be a good time for David and Rachel to lightly banter one last time before this gets really, really, really dark. Well, we took two times. So this is all going to be very, very, very dark. Um, <clears throat> if you have not listened to last week's episode, part one of the um, 2013 more Oklahoma EF5 tornado, go back and listen, because we are just going to pick right back up. <clears throat> because when last we left Al, he was observing yeah. this freight train of a tornado coming his way. He was on the edge of being in very real danger. Yeah. Well, clearly we know Al is okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I'll be interested to see how close he actually ended up. Like, if he was able to sort of skirt this or if he ended up get having any close shapes way too way fucking closer than i'll, mm-hmm. I'll ever be on purpose anyway right right <laughs> fair <laughs> enough yeah all right so he had said um about 60 seconds of calm would happen which would be followed by the arrival of the tornado it was during that 60 seconds of calm that 24-year-old Lando Height, a farmhand slash cowboy at Orr Family Farms, walked out of the main horse barn. There was no television or radio there, and Lando was completely unaware of the dire predicament he was in. Oh, can you imagine? Like, he doesn't even know it's coming. No. Lando lived simply, sleeping on a bunk bed in the tiny tack room as he cared for the animals, riding horses on their training rides and other such activities. Or Family Farms was a local institution in the area. It is a horse training track and petting zoo where generations of Moore, Norman, and Oklahoma City school children had gone on class field trips to spend time around farm animals. Because of the bad weather, Lando was the only person there that day, and he had been working inside of the barn as the storm moved by. Lando needed a different tool, and in the calm conditions, he walked across the barnyard to get something when something to the west caught his eye. Lando stopped dumbfounded when he realized that the tornado was a half mile, or about 804 meters, away. For a second or two, he froze, unsure of what to do. Then a horse in a distant field suddenly rose into the air and disappeared into the tornado. By the way, reiterating the trigger warning from last week that um, Al said... Horse, especially horses, mm-hmm. death, and kids, which we haven't gotten to, but there was mention of an elementary school. Mm. And uh, someone mentioned after last week's episode came out like, oh, you don't know about the school. So yeah, I saw that too. So yeah, something's going to happen and it's not going to be good. So, so this is like real twister shit, like the mm-hmm. movie Twister where the cows were caught up in the tornado. Except it's a horse. Well, it's a, cor- uh, yes, it's, <laughs> no, but I, in the movie it was I, a cow. I know. Because they wanted the moo. I yes. remember that. Fully expecting not to survive, Lando sprinted to the horse barns and opened everything up, mm-hmm. figuring that the horses would fare better out in the open instead of in the barns. That's, I would yes. agree with that, yeah. Lando then dove into an empty horse stall, just having time to cover his head as the tornado began to pull the barn he was in apart. Jesus Christ. Two completely full 10,000 gallon or 37.854 cubic meter storage tanks of water at Orr Family Farms rose in the air, pulled upward upward by the tornado. Wait, so 10,000 gallon storage tanks were being... That's... That's That's heavy. 
Yes. <laughs> As this was happening, a jeweler who looks like, according to the Mercy of the Sky author Holly Bailey, as, quote, like an adult big boy statue come to life, end quote. What is big, I know exactly. What it's is that? Bob's Big Boy Restaurant. It, it, it's a Used to be chain? a chain. No, it was oh. like a uh, like casual dining chain. I'm, okay. not, I'm not even sure if they're even around like anymore. Like a Perkins? Kind of, yeah, in that vein. Okay. But, uh, yeah, I know exactly what they're talking about. Yeah. Okay. Walked out of the back door of his store and stared intently at the tornado. The jeweler, a man named Glenn Lewis, is an easygoing, jovial man. He is known for being able to laugh even in the toughest moments and to be absolutely calm, sorry, resolutely calm no matter what. In this moment, though, Glenn Lewis's heart was breaking and he couldn't believe it was happening again. Happening again to his city. And when I describe more as Glenn Lewis's city... Oh, okay. That's the mm. big Bob's big boy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Looks like a cupid doll, kind of like. Um, hap- all right. And when I describe more as Glenn Lewis's city, it's not only because it is his hometown. It's because he has served as mayor of Moore since 1994. So at that point, it's almost 20 years. Mm. And he has been reelected to the nonpartisan mayoral post unopposed eight times since 1994. Everyone in Moore knows that Glenn Lewis would do whatever it takes to improve Moore. Total side note, because I've been completely playing too much Stardew Valley for anybody's good. Um, there's a Mayor Lewis in Stardew Valley, too. Okay. I have uh, almost, I think I have nine hearts with him right now, which is pretty good after two years and having to maintain my girlfriend, Abigail. Anyway, we'll move on. Everyone in Moore knows that Glenn Lewis would do whatever it takes to improve Moore. His fair-handed, calm, and skillful leadership combined with his deep love for the place endears him to voters. I would think that the the, the thing that would take to improve more is to relocate it, from what the sound yeah, like, you know? Like, uh, yeah, let's move somewhere else. Yikes. Uh, he has been known to point out that in spite of Moore's reputation about bad weather, it averages 332 sunny days per year. I'm sorry, that still does not make up. For that does not make up for <laughs> F5 tornadoes no. <laughs> at all. After the 1999 F5 tornado, Lewis quipped that he had run for mayor to clean up more, but he didn't realize it would mean one piece of debris at a time. Oh, he's got a little dark sense of humor, Mayor, mayor Lewis there. Uh, by this point, Glenn Lewis and city manager Steve Eddy kept uh, kept signed tornado disaster declarations and tornado debris removal contracts in Lewis's office. All they need is a date. So they're signed and ready to go. Oh, my goodness. I mean, that's smart. Yeah. I mean, you're going to need them. Uh, yes. At some point. Clearly. Lewis and Eddie were old friends dating back to high school, and the teamwork they have developed over the years has been highly beneficial for more. But now Glenn Lewis was staring at this new tornado, hoping hoping that it was all a bad dream, not a second coming of his worst day as mayor. Two blocks to the east of the Orr family farms on Southwest 149th Street was Briarwood Elementary School. At Briarwood, 48-year-old principal Shelley McMillan had been standing outside the west doorway watching the storm to the west. On May 3rd, 1999, Shelley had dove into a bathtub and pulled a mattress over her head. That's what they say, mm-hmm. like, is the kind, kind of the best you can do in some circumstances. Um, as the tornado blew her home apart. She had survived without a scratch, and she walked back inside to take shelter from this tornado. Or as she walked back inside to take shelter from this tornado, she prayed that everyone taking shelter in her school building would get that lucky, too. 
As the power failed at Briarwood and everyone braced for the impact from the tornado, a massive whomp sound shook the building to its core, and suddenly the steel girders over one of the third grade classrooms sagged almost to the floor. Jesus. One of the two 10,000 gallon or 37.854 cubic meters water tanks that the tornado had picked up from the Orr family farms fell out of the circulation of the tornado's winds and onto the roof of Briarwood Elementary School. Throughout the school, walls failed, windows blew out, and doors blew open before being sucked into the tornado. Briarwood Elementary was basically all but leveled by the tornado. Later analysis would show that the tornado began to reach maximum intensity in the area around Orr Family Farm at Briarwood Elementary School with sustained winds around 210 miles per hour, about 338 kilometers per hour. About 50 miles south of Moore, famed storm chaser Reed, Reed Timmer and his team were stunned by the news of out of Moore, and there was significant concern that Timmer's house in Moore had been destroyed. Jim Cantori and Ginger Z had to break off from Timmer's team to be driven back to Moore by one of Timmer's team members to cover the destruction in Moore for the Weather Channel and ABC, respectively. Just east of Briarwood Elementary was a subdivision of houses. In a stunningly fast amount of time, the tornado moved over them, killing two people and destroying over 100 houses. You know what I will say? Like, considering the amount of destruction that tornadoes do, the fatalities are lower than you would think. the property damage yeah. by a They're lot. They're also lower than you would think, but I think that's mostly due to current technology yeah and forecasts Mm. and so yeah warnings sirens shelters things like that yeah the tornado then crossed santa fe avenue which is the official dividing line between southwest oklahoma city and more as the tornado moved east of santa fe avenue it was moving down a number of residential streets simultaneously because of its wide diameter yeah remember this was what over three quarters of a mile something something like like that. that i think it was even bigger than that From businesses on both sides of 19th Street, the same street as the aforementioned 149th Street, but east of Santa Fe, it was in the city limits of Moore and therefore named differently, north to both sides of 11th Street, businesses and homes alike were being annihilated at a rapid clip. Also, when I say annihilated, I remember what this section of Moore had looked like before the tornado. Basic brick housing suburbia built in the mid to late 80s along 16th to 11th with some strip malls and convenience stores along 19th. There, for some reason, weird reason, was not a 17th nor an 18th street. Hmm. When I saw it after the tornado, there was not really anything left standing which I could discern as an individual structure. There was a chest-high pile of rubble that stretched for really as far as I could see, without any way to differentiate where the rubble of one house started and where the rubble of another house ended. Twisted metal, which had just previously been cars, pickup trucks, and SUVs, were intermingled into this chest-high debris pile. There was no way to tell if these vehicles had been parked in garages of the destroyed houses on the street or in the driveway in front of them, or if the tornado had picked them up from somewhere else entirely and happened to drop them there. In this area, the tornado did something that only the strongest of tornadoes do. And from my limited vantage point after the tornado, I could not see this myself, but the researchers documenting the strength of the tornado noticed that the phenomenon of wind rowing had occurred. Wind rowing is where the debris from a tornado starts to be deposited into relatively neat rows. Scientists have been downright flummoxed by this bizarre tornado behavior, and it has only been documented occurring in EF5 intensity tornadoes. 
When I saw it, I happened to be looking at the end of one of these rows and was unable to see where the other rows of debris were. The next north-south street that the tornado crossed was Pennsylvania Avenue, which was lined with houses on both sides, all the way from 16th to 11th. Was is an appropriate word here because within seconds, there were no houses Mm. left on either side of Penn between 16th and 11th. And as bad as all of this has been going, things are about to go really go downhill a lot farther and a lot more quickly, unfortunately. East of Pennsylvania Avenue was Ginger Avenue, which ended on the north at Southwest 14th Street. Beyond the north side of the houses on Southwest 17, Southwest 14th Street was 40-year-old Plaza Towers Elementary School. I think this is the one that people were warning us about. Mm-hmm. Uh, the campus of Plaza Towers takes up three blocks going south to north from 14th to 11th. Eagle Eagle Drive runs along the east side of the elementary school, and there's a small stream with some trees that form the western boundary of Plaza Towers campus. Plaza Towers had a main building, which is where the classroom for the kindergartners and first graders were, plus the main office, the library, and the fourth to sixth grade classrooms. The second and third grade classrooms were in a separate back building, which sat next to another separate building containing a gymnasium. Inside the elementary school, Principal Amy Simpson had been struggling to maintain order as parents ran in, got their kids, and left without shining, signing their children out. Yeah, the, he mentioned that in the last uh, mm-hmm. in the last episode. As the kids would leave, Simpson would hand them a heavy book from a shelf and tell the kid to hold it over their head. Soon she ran out of books from the shelf. The teachers had originally led the remaining students into the hallways about 20 minutes before the tornado arrived and got into the tornado position, which many, many school children and former school children across the United States know. Did you have to do tornado drills? No. Really? Not well, in Messina? Did you have tornadoes in Messina? No. The only thing we had were blizzards. As I recall, what we had to do is, and we'll see what Al says, but at least back in the day, so this would have been early 90s. We had to, uh, which now is like the equivalent of my parents back then talking about when they were school children, because I'm so old. Anyway, um, we had to go into like a, I think a closet off the gym was like our little designated spot. It wasn't really a closet. It was like an equipment room. I guess it was windowless was the idea. Sure. And all concrete. Um, and this was just in a drill. We never went through a real tornado. I don't think... We had to sit against the wall, like knees up towards our chest, mm-hmm. and like yeah. tuck our our heads and cover and our heads. Knees. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So let's see. The tornado position is to kneel on the floor facing the wall, put a heavy book or your arms over the back of your head, and put your forehead at the base of the wall. So I don't remember that, but maybe we had a different protocol. I don't know. This position was also referred to as. Bend over and try to kiss your ass goodbye position by my middle school gym teacher and countless legions of others. During this time period, several of the teachers received text messages from their significant others, urging them to take the kids into stronger shelter because this was not the type of tornado that just huddling in the hallway would suffice for. This triggered teachers to begin leading kids into various closets and bathroom stalls where the teachers would throw their bodies over their huddled students in a last-ditch effort to keep them safe. At the front of the door of the school, Principal Amy Simpson watched as one last set of parents who showed up to take their kid home ran past her into the parking lot. Halfway to their car, Simpson saw them running full speed and then looked to the west and come to a complete stop. 
The mother grabbed the kid off the ground, and then the dad and mom sprinted back towards Simpson and the front door. Amy Simpson didn't even have to ask what that meant. She directed the parents with their kids to a girl's bathroom near the front office, and she walked back into her office, where she made a surprisingly calm-sounding announcement over the intercom before crowding with four of her co-workers into the private bathroom in her office. Quote, it is here. End quote. Hmm. Or it's here. Sorry, I blew the quote. It's here. The words of Amy Simpson, Plaza Tower principal, Plaza Tower's principal, briefly echoed down the halls before being drowned out by an ominous roar coming from outside. In the houses along Ginger Avenue, just south of Plaza Towers Elementary, six people died as the tornado mm. moved over. Inside of Plaza Towers, skylights broke. Walls started to crumple under assault from the winds. All manner of debris flew around the teachers and students at dizzying speeds. I could go on repeating the descriptions I've read of what the inside of Plaza Towers was like during this, but it's probably best for my own mental health and everyone else's if I don't. Amy Simpson looked up after the roof had peeled away and saw the inside of the funnel with everything floating in circles within it. She looked back down, and when she looked back up after the roaring had stopped, there was blue sky overhead as if nothing had happened. Knowing her school needed her, Simpson tried to leave the bathroom. She had to really fight the door to get it open enough to slide out. When she did, there was an upside-down car sitting on the desk of an office worker. The work area of the school secretary had been swept clear by the tornado. The secretary's desk flattened. Using the flattened desk as a stepping stone, Simpson climbed up onto a pile of debris, but soon realized she had no safe way to get down. She looked out into the neighborhood behind the school and realized that it had been absolutely obliterated. <clears throat> Simpson saw people crawl out of debris and run towards the school. Somewhat incredibly, her cell phone rang. It was Simpson's mother who lived out of town and had a deathly fear of tornadoes. Simpson's mother had been five years old when an F5 tornado destroyed her hometown of Blackwell, Oklahoma, killing 20 people. Simpson's mother had never seemed to recover from that incident. Simpson answered the phone, and her conversation revealed the level of shock she was in. I'm fine, she said to her mother. The school and the neighborhood are completely destroyed. Please call 911 and have them send help. Mm. If Simpson had been more herself, she would have realized that first responders were mobilizing to come from everywhere nearby. At the KOCO TV, or I guess Coco TV, studios in Oklahoma City, Damon Lane watched the path of the tornado on radar and from the video shot by the station's fleet of storm chasers in the field with growing uneasiness. His own house on the east side of Moore was directly in the path of the tornado. He had texted back and forth with his wife where, when he could find time to step off camera. She was in their storm shelter with their two dogs, but she had stopped replying. Lane was by far the youngest chief meteorologist of all the three major network stations in Oklahoma City. At this time, he was in his early 30s, while Mike Morgan of KFOR-TV was in his late 40s. Did I say he was in his early 40s? I meant to say no, he's in his early 30s. Okay, good, good, yeah. good. <laughs> Mike Morgan was in his late 40s, and the venerable Gary England was in his early 70s. That's true. You don't see many, like, young meteorologists. It Not seems that like, usually. like there are weather people who mm -hmm. are younger, but yeah, the chief meteorologist. <clears throat> While Mike Morgan and Gary England infamously despise each other <laughs> and routinely worked veiled barbed references about each other into their on-air forecasts. Nice. Nice, yeah. Much like his predecessor, Rick Mitchell, 
Damon Lane seemed friendly, easygoing, and above the fray. Lane had just been promoted the previous year to replace the departing Mitchell. Lane had only lived in Oklahoma for less than five years, and now this tornado is taking aim at his wife, his house, and his dogs. If you ever needed further context to how invincible the arms race by local television stations in Oklahoma City to cover the local severe weather is, consider that while you may not have heard of one of the helicopter pilots employed to chase storms via helicopter, I can almost guarantee you've seen their most famous non-tornado-related work. Jim Gardner won an Emmy for filming the infamous O.J. Simpson slow-speed Ford Bronco chase through Los Angeles. Nice. <laughs> Uh, they cover that in the um, that documentary, like. But not, <clears throat> not that. Um, they do, but not that pilot journalist in oh, particular. Okay. It was a different one. Um, oh, okay. His daughter is actually on CBS News now. Mm. Um, anyway, go ahead. Okay. Uh, Katie Turr. Okay. It was her dad that filmed that they were that they interviewed in that OJ documentary. Oh, okay. Because he gotcha. was like kind of one of the people that invented. Like the helicopter police chase. Gotcha. Filming it. Gotcha. Zoe Turr. Shortly after that, he returned to his native Oklahoma to chase storms for KFOR before moving to KWTV-TV. It literally is KWTV-TV. And Gary England's crew in 2011. KFOR replaced him with John Welsh, an Oklahoma National Guard pilot, who had just finished serving his time, which had included several combat missions in the Second Iraq War. I would talk about KOCO TV's helicopter coverage that day, except there wasn't any. Their helicopter was grounded that day for repairs. Mm. <laughs> Poor, bad timing, huh? As much as they hated each other, Mike Morgan and Gary England both had much more in common than either of them liked to admit. Both had grown up fascinated by storms from a very early age. Both were native Oklahomans. Oklahomans, yes. Mm-hmm. And both had have a very hard time being off duty from their job. Both of them have a flair for the dramatic, encyclopedic knowledge of severe weather history, and both of them have gentle, folksy senses of humor. Even with all of those similarities, in the times when they have been in the same room face-to-face, England and Morgan have only rarely exchanged pleasantries, most of the time not speaking at all. Their bitter rivalry has been fantastic for severe weather coverage in the Oklahoma City area, however, or area. However, the intense competition only serves... To sharpen the enterprise as a whole. At Lewis Jewelers, the staff and the customers had taken shelter in the vault. Oh, that's that's a good spot. But Glenn Lewis was still standing outside watching the tornado. His cell phone rang. It was his 29-year-old daughter, Laura, who was an intelligence analyst for the federal government. Hmm. When he picked up the phone, Laura scolded him. Dad, you need to go inside. You are about to get hit by a tornado. Lewis laughed in spite of the horror of the situation. How did you know I was outside? Are y'all watching me? Dad, stop joking around and go inside. Lewis said he would, but as he opened the door, the tornado sirens, which had been sounding, suddenly fell silent. Lewis called the city emergency operations center, his quiet drawl instantly recognizable to the woman who answered the phone. Hey, Lewis said, y'all need to get the sirens turned back on. The tornado is here. There was a long pause. The sirens are all on was the reply. Lewis shifted his weight uncomfortably from one foot to the other as he tried to make sense of why the siren had suddenly cut off like that. In the background, the shop television was turned to KOCO-TV. Damon Lane had been in the shop less than a year earlier, buying the engagement ring to propose to his now wife. Now Damon Lane said, 
Lewis Jewelers, you need to be in your place of shelter. This tornado is headed straight for you. If that's not a sign, then I don't know what is. Glenn Lewis thought as he walked into the shelter provided by the jewelry vault. That would be a great place to be. A bank or a As long as you get out of the vault after. Yeah, yeah, that's true. After departing Plaza Towers and the surrounding area, the tornado seemed to contract and weaken before weirdly doing a very small loop near the intersection of Telephone Road and Southwest 4th Street. This seemed to re-energize the tornado. It suddenly flared back up to EF5 intensity, crossed Telephone Road, and struck Moore Medical Center on the other side of Telephone Road. The two-story hospital was no match for the tornado. The top floor of the hospital was basically removed by the tornado. Miraculously, no patients or staff were injured at the Moore Hospital, and two babies were born there while the tornado was on the ground. Oh my god. Mayor Glenn Lewis would later joke that the hospital, quote, began May 20th as a hardtop and ended May 20th as a convertible. <laughs> as the tornado started to widen again, it hit the Warren Theater, a bowling alley, a bank, and a strip mall. Before it so crossed... It's just fucking hitting everything. It's just leveling everything. Ugh, before it crossed Interstate 35, the same section of Interstate 35 I have driven south on less than, I had driven south on less than 24 hours previously. The marquee and the roof of the Warren Theater were slightly damaged by the tornado. The Warren Theater is a large movie theater with IMAX and over 20 screens. The multi-million dollar investment is a source of immense local pride. It seemed one of the very few mercies of the tornado that it didn't level the Warren which had been showing movies that day until the power went out and had a few hundred people sheltering inside as a result. The bowling alley, bank, and strip mall were not as lucky as the Warren. All of them were leveled. Cars on Interstate 35 were thrown around. On the east side of Interstate 35, the tornado was smaller in diameter but seemed just as powerful. At Highland East Junior High School, it missed the main building but leveled the gymnasium. Nearby, it leveled the administration building for more public schools. It was like going after schools. That's really creepy. Many more homes were leveled and more people were killed, but the path through the eastern side of Moore was much more erratic. As it got to the eastern outskirts of Moore, the winds within the tornado finally seemed to be losing their punch as well. Jim Gardner and John Welsh were both trailing the tornado in their respective helicopters as it approached Lake Stanley Draper east of Moore. Back in the parking lot outside the ruins of Briarwood Elementary, Shelley McMillan and the teachers on her staff had counted and recounted. Much to her relief, every student of Briarwood was accounted for. A little further west, a remarkably alive Lando Height crawled from under the rubble of the barn he had dove into at the very last second. Everything he owned was gone except for the muddy ripped jeans he had on. The tornado had even de-shirted and de-booted him. Sure. Oh, my God. He was interviewed on KFOR, still shirtless and covered in mud, but alive. However, the horses had not been so lucky. Mm -hmm. Many had been killed outright and several were badly injured. A pet had to put several horses down that afternoon in the aftermath of the tornado. At Plaza Towers Elementary, the back building where the second and third graders had been was now a pile of rubble. 
Third grade teacher Jennifer Doan was buried in the pile of rubble, as were several kids. Jennifer Doan was two months pregnant at the time, and the debris was crushing her back. She could tell by the lack of certain voices in the rubble that some of her students had not survived. Even worse, she was sure she would lose her baby. The tornado had narrowly missed Lewis Jewelers, and now Glenn Lewis joined the firefighters who pulled up to Plaza Towers Elementary. No one seemed to know how many kids and teachers were missing in the rubble of Plaza Towers. Well, that makes sense considering, like, parents were pulling their kids out, so Mm -hmm. they didn't know how many people were left. No one, yep, no one seemed to know how many kids and teachers were missing in the rubble. Across the path of the tornado, some people were trapped in storm shelters that were now covered in heavy debris. In Midwest City, which is 10 miles northeast of Moore, callers were reporting that papers, pictures, shoes, and other things were falling out of the sky. The lightest of the debris picked up by the tornado was raining down that far away. I was nearing the intersection of Oklahoma Highway 77H in East Franklin, just to the northeast of Norman, when on my car radio, I heard John Welsh tell Mike Morgan that the tornado had lifted. Even though I was a mile and a half shy of completing the maneuver to try to catch back up with the tornado on the other side of Moore, I was so relieved to hear that it was over. As I drove back into Norman, I was stunned by how nice the weather was. The sun was out, the humidity humidity was out of the air, and the winds had mostly calmed down by local standards. The winds never really stop in the plains. You would have never known that less than 10 miles away, one of the strongest tornadoes on record had just occurred. Severe weather and weaker tornadoes were now starting to break out well south of Moore and Norman, but in Norman, it was nice. I was reeling, however, as I listened to John Welch describe what he saw as he flew the path of the tornado heading back to the west. Also, traffic was turning into a nightmare in Norman as virtually every intersection where I was crossing a north-south road of any size. Ambulance, police, and fire trucks were driving quickly north with all of the lights and sirens on. Suddenly, John Welsh yelled, Look at that school! Look at that school, guys! Oh my god, I don't know how to explain it, how to describe it. His voice started to crack with, the em- with emotion. This is terrible. This is war zone terrible. The school is completely gone. Hearing this, I quickly turned off the street into a parking lot, parked, opened my driver's door, leaned over, and vomited heavily. Yeah. Then I started to cry, and I was shaking. It sounds like the, the whole events are starting to finally catch up. It's a, like one of those things where in the moment you're fine, and then afterwards is when it like Well, in the moment you're kind up. of in shock. Yeah. And your body is just kind of... And your mind is just doing what it has to do to survive. And then mm-hmm. when it's over is, yeah, that's when it, it all just like hits you at yeah. once. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That can be, that's a, that's a really weird experience, but it does happen. That was how I learned of the fate of Plaza Towers Elementary, even though I didn't know it, the name of it at the time and what had happened there. I can't scientifically point to exactly what clued me in about this, but something in the tone of John Welsh's voice said to me that not all, not all of the kids from the elementary school had survived. You know what? The, the timing of this, too, um, this is like five-ish months after Sandy Hook. Sure. So there was already a mass casualty event of very small children, mm-hmm. like very young children. Hey, Jesse. Jesse. Okay, move for a second. Move. Thank you. He's eating your script, Al. Oh, it's delicious, apparently. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Good boy. All right. 
Um, It took a little while to compose myself enough to drive again. I finally found my way back to my hotel at approximately 4.45 local time. I'm thinking that's p.m. Because this all happened like Uh, during during the the school day. day, Yeah. Yeah. When I got back to the hotel, there was no power. So I was stuck in the lobby because with torn meniscus, there was no way I could do four stories of stairs. While I was stranded in the lobby, one of the employees of the hotel walked in, and she was absolutely fuming. She told everybody in the lobby about how she could see the tornado while she was driving to work. Since she lived in southern Oklahoma City, her drive to work took her across the path of the tornado. And she stopped at a convenience store to see if she could take shelter there because the tornado was getting too close for her to feel comfortable. She was told that there was no room left in the walk-in cooler where everyone was taking shelter, so she needed to go somewhere else. That's, yeah. That's... Unless you're literally packed in like sardines. Yeah, like, there's, there's room. There's room. <laughs> she left, got stuck in traffic, and watched the tornado cross Interstate, Interstate 35 in her rearview mirror from just a little Jesus. bit south of the tornado's path. How fucking scary would that be? Well, that's probably why she was so scared, is or so um so angry, is that if she hadn't been angry, she would have been like terrified mm-hmm. at what had just happened. The thing that was gnawing at everyone from Oklahoma, from Oklahoma governor at that time, Mary Fallon, Fallon, to Glenn Lewis, to Gary England, Mike Morgan, and Damon Lane, and so forth and so on, down to even people like myself, was that. Nobody seemed to know how many people were missing, how many people were injured, and how many people were no longer with us. No one seemed to be able to get a good fix on any of those numbers. And to be fair, that in most high... or Yeah, this is... A, a tw- 24 people is a high casualty event. Yeah. Like, it, it, that usually takes time to figure out. Like, there's still... Well, Surfside happened about, a couple weeks ago, and they're still figuring out how well, many people Plus, you're was. talking about debris is just all over the place. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you don't... You have to figure out where everybody was. And if people were trying to find shelter, they could be in weird they places. They could be anywhere. Yeah. yeah. Like, that lady could have been in the um, the walk-in cooler at a convenience store. Mm-hmm. And who would have known, you know, to look for her there. So, yeah, that's that's tough. But I can see it also be being very disquieting. Because you're like, well, where's people I know, basically? Remember when they introduced that Facebook thing, like, mark yourself as safe? Yeah. Like, that was, yeah, that's it's kind of intense that that's part of our social media. But, yeah. Um, no one seemed to be able to get a good fix on any of those numbers. Early on, the numbers which were being estimated was horrific. Over 100 dead, 1,000 missing. Well, that's true. That's the other thing. Yeah. It's like, if you don't know, then it could be huge. And, and you just wouldn't know. Back in Nashville, Don heard about the tornado, I remember Al's friend Don, and began contacting mutual friends to find out if they had heard from me, much as I had done about her during the immediate aftermath of the Boston Marathon bombing. I didn't realize it at the time because of how limited the cell phone reception became, but across several circles of my friends, there was a back and forth going on of, hey, isn't Big Al in Oklahoma right now? I love that his nickname is Big Al. so cute. Like, pretty close by where the tornado hit. Has anyone heard from him since that tornado? In all honesty, and I didn't mean that to sound condescending, Al. I really love that nickname. It's very, it's very sweet. I don't think it came across Big that Al. way. But. Big Al. It's better than Big Red, who is a weird f- frog slash, as we learned, the Big Red mascot. Oh, from, uh... yes. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Which is just an amorphous blob yeah. of red. <laughs> In all honesty, I didn't help anything by posting the picture I took of the tornado as a Facebook status update. 
back before I deleted my Facebook account. And then just, to, oh, by the way, Al, you need to know that several people on Facebook said that they really loved your research. Since yes. you're not on Facebook, yes. And then just a few minutes later, I lost cell and data coverage in between the tornado, tearing sure. down several towers and yeah. tens of thousands of people who are also trying to check in on their loved ones. Plus there's no power <laughs> anywhere. Yeah. So <laughs> this is like the... There, this isn't funny, but it's funny in the context of everything else being terrible. That, like, he posted this picture of, like, hey, I see this tornado. And then, like, nobody could raise him after that. Like, you can see why it would be so terrifying. Fortunately, because it ended well mm-hmm. for him, it's not awful. But later that evening, teacher Den- Jennifer Doan and several members of her class of kids were rescued from the ruins of the building at Plaza Towers. Amazingly, she didn't lose the baby she was pregnant with, despite her oh. severe injuries. However, seven of her third grade students didn't oh make my it. God. The, the total... A uh, casualty count was 24, so like at seven, almost, almost a third of them mm-hmm. were these kids. Ugh, that's all. And third graders, those are like eight and nine year olds. Yeah, they're little it's kids. Awful. Little kids. Ugh. Back in, um, and I'm sure that poor lady probably to this day is still dealing with all of I'm sure. Unpacking all of that yeah, shit. I'm sure. I'm sure she's happy that she was able to carry her pregnancy and all that, but ugh. Teachers love their kids. Teachers are so good with their kids. Um, another shout out to Aubrey. Uh, I know we know several teachers, yes, and they, they care very much about their students. So I'm sure that that my was mom was a teacher. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Was meaning she retired. Right. <laughs> Not <laughs> right. that she gave it up. And <laughs> no. Did something else. No, she did it for years. <laughs> yeah, she right. Did her entire career. Yeah. That's what mm-hmm. she was. Back in the lobby of the hotel, I sat on a couch. The power was back on, but the elevator was still not functional. A steady stream of people were starting to arrive at the hotel looking for rooms. Yeah, a lot of sort of refugee kind of situations, right? Like, can't get across the highway or need a place to stay for the night or whatever. Everyone arriving looked worse for the wear. Some were still openly crying. The numbers were not known at the time, but this tornado would leave three of every five more residents homeless. Jesus. 60%. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, it, oh. it literally just freaking flattened. I, I didn't even think of that. Of everything. course people are looking for a hotel because their houses they're, aren't they're there homeless. anymore. Yeah. Oh, it was really hard to They're looking to for see, any yeah. kind of shelter. Mm. I talked with the desk clerk about checking out early so that someone else could have my room. That's very sweet, Al. Very sweet. Um, I had a full tank of gas in my car and could easily drive away. The desk clerk said that since the cleaning staff was gone for the day, my room could not be cleaned to rent that night, so the best thing was to check out the next morning. I felt really bad and like I needed to be out of there, so I went across the parking lot to a restaurant. I sat in the bar section and talked with this guy who was sitting by himself. He told me his story of that afternoon. He began by saying that to live in Oklahoma, you have to be something of an amateur meteorologist. Because if you don't pay attention to it, Oklahoma weather can and likely will kill you. Sure. He knew it was going to be a rough day that day. He was an Oklahoma University student, and he rented a house and more with two friends. His housemates were at a fishing tournament in Louisiana. Excuse me, Louisiana. When he saw, <laughs> that IPA is kicking in. There you go. When he saw the path of the tornado on TV, he realized his rented house was in the path. He drove about a mile south and watched the tornado go by. He said that since he had grown up in Oklahoma, he had a fairly good sense of distance. 
He said he knew that the tornado had moved right over his place. Still, though, he tried to drive back to his house. With all of the landmarks gone. Oh, my yeah, goodness. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Everything's yeah. <clears throat> different. Yeah. He had trouble, so he entered his address into his GPS. When the GPS said, you have arrived at your destination, he looked around and there was nothing but debris there. A few blocks away, he said he saw... He said that he saw a wall lying on the ground that he recognized and knew that it had been an interior wall in his house. Can you imagine, like, Mm -hmm. recognizing a wall from your house somewhere amongst debris? That's, uh... I offered him some money, but he refused. He did let me buy him a couple of rounds of drinks, though. There you go. That's a good service, yes. He seemed happy to have someone to listen, and I was happy to be there for him. That's really valuable, too. Sure, absolutely. Just to be there to listen. That's very, that's, um, you're a good man, Al. You're, you're a good person, Big Al. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. We talked a little while longer about more personal stuff, and then we went our separate ways. I don't think we even ever told each other our names. I kept thinking about how this was only about seven months after I experienced Hurricane Sandy, and I suddenly wasn't sure how much longer I could keep being around disasters of this scale. No kidding. Mentally, I could already tell the events of the day were really starting to affect me a lot worse than Sandy had. I still don't know why for certain. My leading hypothesis is that during Sandy, I felt like I myself was equally as under threat as the people who lived there, which I was around. Since the tornado and more that day had never moved directly at me, I think I felt a much sharper sense of survivor's guilt. And then all the children who passed away and more that day definitely was something I felt more strongly. I really regret not going to more that night to help with the debris removal, but with my retorn meniscus. Uh, yeah, yeah, you don't you need to feel guilty about that. No. That's understandable. I didn't think that physically I would be of much help. Plus, I assumed that they had more help than they needed. Plus, I didn't feel emotionally ready to see the damage in person. That is a good point. That's a fair point. In retrospect, though, and knowing what I know now, I wish I would have. That's so hard. Like, you're also making decisions in a great state of mental duress. Like, And you're also making them in a vacuum. You know, I yeah, mean, like I mean, not knowing what's going yeah. on. And and the thing is, it's like, oh, but what if I had? And it's like, they could have just no turned po- you away. There's no... There's no, point. There's no point in thinking. There really is no point in wondering what if, because you never, you'll never know. Yeah, there literally Literally, is you'll no. never know. That's true. Um, it's understandable. It's under- of course, yes. It is understandable. But, but there's, um, there's no way to quantify what if. There, there just isn't. No, no. I would say, Al, you didn't do anything wrong. No, or, you, did, no. you did your job that day. Yeah, yeah, you really did. And you even tried to do extra things mm-hmm. to be extra nice and helpful to people. Yeah, that's all you can and ask for. Yes, uh-huh. I walked back to the hotel and the elevator still wasn't working. As I sat in the lobby, the TV was still on. I think that it was on KFOR, but it may have been KOCO or KWTV. Whatever the case, the death toll at that part point was being talked about as being over a hundred people. Yeah. <sighs> from what I—that's a lot. I mean, thankfully it didn't turn out that way. Right. But that is a lot for a modern day tornado. Yes. Any weather event, really? Like yeah. aside from maybe an earthquake, maybe. Yeah. Because those can earthquakes kind of... just yeah you can't predict those. Maybe. Well, Every, they, everything they have some technology. Some. Same but... for same for tornadoes, but. But uh, I mean, yeah, any. Yeah, it's, that's a lot. That would have been a lot. Well, and especially, like, if they're putting that out there as the possibility, like, that would be terrifying. Because usually they slightly underestimate death tolls. 
I've always thought that they've overestimated. Oh, really? Okay, yeah. maybe I'm completely wrong. Maybe I'm completely wrong. Well, it's the it's the uh, under promise and over deliver. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. That's true. Fair point. Yep. Yep. Uh, from what little I had seen directly and what I had heard on the local radio stations, that death toll definitely felt like a gut punch, but it also seemed to feel like what I was afraid it was going to be. As I watched the coverage, I heard them talk about that they had found two adults and an infant dead in the remnants of a 7-Eleven across Telephone Road from the Moore Hospital. So remember when I described earlier that the tornado made a small loop near the intersection of 4th and Telephone and briefly pulsed back up to EF5 intensity? I do remember that. In that small loop, the inner core of the tornado hit the 7-Eleven twice, about 30 seconds apart. And then most of the second floor of the Moore Hospital fell on the remnants of the 7-Eleven after the tornado detached it from the first floor. My God. I suddenly had a horrifying realization. I I walked over to the front desk. I asked the girl who had arrived to work which convenience store she had tried to take shelter at. She said, the 7-Eleven, right off exit 117. I asked if that was Southwest 4th, and when she said yes, I asked to to talk to her privately. Her coworker asked if he could help, and I walked down the hall with him and told him what I had just heard on TV. Once I told him, I was kind of like, I should have just kept my mouth shut, and I hoped that he would say, let's not tell her. Instead, as we walked back to the desk, he told her, you need to hear what he has to say. Take as long as you need. I will watch the desk for you. She and I walked into an empty meeting room, and that was likely the most difficult news I had ever told anyone. Wow. Jeez. But all, um, but also the best news you could have told anybody. Uh, y- yes. Yes, and also, it's just like the because, like something I don't think is is talked about much is art. Or, well, and it's it's getting better, but like things like survivor's guilt sure. and how hard it is to live after these things too. Like we've for talked some, about for some, that for some people, not for everybody. I would say for I would say for the majority, majority of sure. people, yeah, because either PTSD, mm-hmm. survivor's guilt, a combination. Um, it. I'm not saying any of us want to die in a disaster. That's somehow nope. good. Certainly not. But the challenges, and we've talked about, like, the surviving survival idea, mm-hmm. um, the challenges of living after well, it's, such it's, a traumatic event. It's it, because it's the it's the why me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what did I do? To, and then you you probably feel some sort of, well, I have to carry on. That I must have survived for a reason. So right. I have to. So now you're kind of in a grandiose space. Well, I have to do. Maybe I have to become an astronaut, or I have to. You know, I have to make sure that. And you don't. Right. Right. You can just mm-hmm. go and live, but yeah. But you of don't cor- owe anybody anything. No, you don't. Yeah. But of, but that's. I've never experienced that. So, right. And if somebody told me like you don't owe anybody anything, I'd probably mm-hmm. be like, yeah, bullshit. Like, yeah. I do, you know. You can understand it. It would feel how it would feel. Yeah. You know? I mean, on on an intellectual level, not on a literal level. Yeah. But, yeah. Ugh. Among the friends who reached out to check on me that night was my cousin. May I also say, the, this is not only just a well-written script, but I really appreciate Al's being very transparent yeah. with us about his, his experience. And that's, um, it's very... 
I, I'm very honored that he trusted us and everybody listening with that. Mm-hmm. I, so thank you, Al. Um, among the friends who reached out to check on me that night was my cousin, Eli. Eli is actually my third cousin by blood. I'd have to look at one of those charts to remember what a third cousin is. But emotionally, it's, he's... It's one of those <laughs> Emotionally, he's closer to me, really, than any of my first cousins. Plus, my dad and Eli's grandfather were best friends from first grade onward. Eli lived in Austin. Go ahead. I think the third cousin link is with a grandfather. Maybe. I think so. Maybe. I don't know. I, I, don't I would have to. I, literally, yeah. I would have to look at a chart. Eli lived in Austin, Texas, and he invited me to come see him to try to get my head back on correctly. I again didn't sleep much that night. Once the elevator finally worked for my fourth floor north-facing room, I could see and hear the work going on to rescue survivors. Nearby Tinker Air Force Base and the Oklahoma National Guard had brought in huge lights that lit up more Mm -hmm. as if the sun was still up. At one point, I counted 24 helicopters hovering over the scene, all with bright lights shining toward the ground. And I also wouldn't be surprised if this was... was... Hang on. I've tripped over my words. That's okay. I'm sure this was also declared a federal emergency oh yes oh yes so you not, FEMA n- yes so you, not in. just the state mm-hmm. and local are coming in it's mm-hmm. obviously it's a state emergency no yes. question about that but I, I'm sure it was probably declared a federal emergency I sure hope so I hope so yeah. because man did they deserve those resources mm-hmm. yeah at one point, I, oh, 24 helicopters, uh, it seemed like every cop car, fire truck, and ambulance within a couple hundred miles were in sure. more with all their lights going. Good. Fire department, good, good. everybody. Yep. It, it's, it's an all-hands-on-deck situation. Absolutely. And people shipped in, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. An ugly odor hung in the air. The window shades of my hotel room were basically useless in keeping all of that out. A dozen miles north of me, just off I-35 north of the damaged path... Oh, just off I-35 north of the damage path, Plaza Towers Elementary Principal Amy Simpson, her husband Lindy, a retired Oklahoma City police chaplain, and Principal Amy, oh, sorry, and officials from the Moore Public School System were in a Baptist church with the parents of the lost children. Two or three miles to the southeast, Damon Lane was finally off the air and returning home to his wife. So the thing is, the the kids would, were probably the easiest to figure out were missing sure because obviously the parents knew they were, were in school for them mm-hmm. yeah all right uh glenn lewis and steve eddie burned the midnight oil in city hall in shock that it had happened to their city on their watch again in the week well you know you say on their watch uh, which i get i get the i get the feeling and the the w- words but um what, what are you gonna, gonna do to stop it there's literally nothing you no. can do about a tornado Mm-mm. i mean there. are not that I've seen anyone. You can't stop a train. There has been building technology as far as, obviously, you can't stop an earthquake. Right. But right. now they build mm-hmm. buildings if they have enough money. Right. Um, I've seen that on mo- Modern Marvels or something like that. Mm-hmm. Now they build buildings in areas where there are f- high fault zone activities so that the bottom, the base of the building is on rollers. It actually gives. It, well, yeah. no, no, no. It moves with... Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that it, so it's not trying to obstruct it because right. the earthquake is always going to win in that situation. It's how to roll with it, literally. Mm-hmm. Literally, mm-hmm. yes. But what are you going to do for a? You know, the only thing you really can do for a tornado is like cellars. I, I was going to say a mass amount of yes. underground and highly. But, but that's it. 
Yeah. I mean, you're not, you're not going to do anything from prevent, even like most schools are, many schools at least are built off like solid concrete, Mm -hmm. but even then in 210 mile per hour, it really like, that's why the old fashioned, like tornado cellars, Mm -hmm. like the idea you go underground because it's, it's only on ground level. Mm -hmm. That's really, so you'd basically like to have to, you basically have to build an entire underground, like little city to protect people like that's basically all you could do you could do i guess you could i mean if we had a great infrastructure bill that allowed for that to happen (laughs) maybe that could work um in the wee hours of the morning jim cantori was doing live reports from the weather for the weather channel from the damaged path ginger z would be reporting live for more for good morning america on abc at daybreak in the northern suburbs of Oklahoma City, Gary England sat alone in his study watching the air tape of his channel's coverage of the tornado, taking notes on what he could have done better. Mike Morgan sat up into the very late hours of the night, quietly talking with his wife in his living room, decompressing the events of the day. In a remarkably candid interview later on that day, the normally jolly Glenn Lewis would break down in tears when asked what his city needed. Through his tears, he said, Everything. My city has been blown all to hell. A thunderstorm started around dawn on May 21st across southern Oklahoma City, Moore, and Norman, which was a suboptimal way to soothe anyone's nerves from the previous day. Yeah, that's true. It's like, oh, shit, is this going to happen again? again? I got up, checked out of the hotel, and headed south, getting to Denton, Texas, before all of my lack of sleep caught up with me. I checked into a a hotel about 7.30 p.m. and was asleep by 8, sleeping deeply until the next morning at about 10 a.m. Good. (laughs) Sounds like you needed that. (laughs) I finished my drive to Austin the following day, and Eli did his best over the next couple of days to take my mind off of what had just happened with the many cool things to do in Austin. I've had nightmares off and on since, th- since though, and I didn't chase, chase storms for a couple of years after this. I still have other symptoms of mild PTSD from both the 2013 Moore tornado and Hurricane Sandy. When I finally felt mentally ready to drive through the damaged area of Moore the Friday after the tornado, I was stunned that I could all but see Telephone Road from Santa Fe Avenue, because that should not be the case. All the buildings were, mm. were level. The final death toll in Moore from the May 20th, 2013 EF5 tornado ended up being 24, including nine children. Since the event, sadly, one of the kids who were buried in the debris with teacher Jennifer Doan and the others all has taken his own life after suffering severe PTSD from the event. That's another casualty of the event. Sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Especially this this happened to this person as a kid. Uh, this was 2013, right? Mm-hmm. So that mm-hmm. kid at best would have been 15 or 16. No, not even. This was a an elementary school, so at best they were 11. <laughs> no, I'm talking about when he. Oh, took oh, his life. um, what year? Uh, Al doesn't mention when. Yeah. This so, but this is something that happened to them as a as a child. Yeah, but a teenager took his own life. Probably. Yeah, because yeah, he, if he had lived he would be like 19 ish now mm-hmm. at the oldest mm-hmm. at the oldest but um i would consider that another casualty of I the would. event absolutely yeah yeah oh poor kid that's so sad 
Eleven days after the Moore tornado, the infamous and nightmarish 2.66-mile-wide EF3 tornado struck near El Reno, Oklahoma, and killed professional storm chasers Tim Samaras, his son Paul, and their chase partner Carl Young, along with amateur chaser Richard Henderson. Huh. 2.66 miles wide. I've, I know. What the fuck. Like, you can't even see that wide. Oh, listen. Tim, Paul, and Carl had starred along with Reed, Reed, Timmer, and other chase teams on the Discovery Channel show Storm Chasers. Which I've seen. I've heard I, of I, it. I've, I've, I don't know that I've seen it, but... I've seen it. I'm, I'm, I probably saw them, I'm sure. Something of a curse seems to have overtaken the alumni of that show, as Timmer's chase partner, Joel Taylor, and Matt Hughes from the third chase team on the show have also passed away as well though Taylor and Hughes passed away from causes unrelated to storm chasing. Many other chasers had very close calls during the El Reno tornado, including Mike Bettis, Bettis, B-E-T-T-E-S, from the Weather Channel, and Emily Sutton from KFOR-TV. I'm pretty sure that Al tagged Emily Sutton in uh, a retweet of our of the last week's episode. Oh, okay. Um, and that she liked it. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. The SUV Bettis was riding in was launched 200 yards by the tornado, and a 10-foot tree was thrown through the back glass of Sutton's chase vehicle. Jeez, and they survived. Even before the 2013 El Reno tornado, Gary England had grown alarmed and frustrated with his team of paid storm chasers, even his close friends Val and Amy Castor and David Payne, his heir apparent. He felt like they had grown too reckless, and they weren't listening to him enough to stay safe. He angrily chewed them out in between the Moore Tornado and the El Reno Tornado, and again the day after the El Reno Tornado. He concluded the meeting the day after the El Reno Tornado with a startling announcement. He was retiring from on-the-air on meteorology, though he would remain as a behind-the-scenes advisor. Between the storm chasers and the Moore and El Reno Tornadoes of 2013, Gary enough. England had had enough, yeah. So here's the epilogue. Moore has largely rebuilt since the horrors of May 20th, 2013, although there are still a few places with driveways that go to nothing, scattered across the broad path of the 2013 EF5 and even the 1999 F5. The 2013 Moore EF5 tornado remains the most recent EF5 tornado anywhere in the world as of June 22nd, 2021, when I am writing this. Hmm. I'd like to say, let's hope that stays the same, but given what climate change is doing... uh... I mean, yes, F5s are extremely rare, but they they happen. And I think they're just going to happen more and more because of climate change, frankly. Uh, Glenn Lewis is still Moore's mayor, and Steve Eddy is still his city manager. Amy Simpson... I'll call you back, Trina. (laughs) Um, Amy Simpson is still a principal in the more public school system, but at a different school than Plaza Towers. I am pretty sure that Shirley McMillan is still the Briarwood Briarwood principal. (laughs) Sorry. I've got my... (laughs) My new Fitbit now gets alerts of when people are calling and stuff, so it tickles my wrist. I'm just laughing because it was tickling my wrist. Anyway, uh, Jennifer Doan has made a full recovery from her injuries and is still teaching in more, although I think she is also at a different school. I think that most of the teachers from both Briarwood and Plaza Towers in 2013 are still teachers for the Moore School District. Both, uh, well, and (laughs) that should show you how fucking dedicated teachers are. Right? That they are still teaching in the same town. Mm-hmm. 
and not just piecing out of there. And oh my goodness. Both elementary schools were rebuilt on their same locations and both now have large storm shelters for all the students, teachers, and staff. Good. Yeah, good. The new plan. I mean, let, let's hope they learn lessons from this too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Know, which, well, hopefully, at least for the yes. schools, it sounds like they have. The new Plaza Towers has a memorial for the seven students who died in the tornado just inside the main doors. The 2020 census revealed that Moore's population has grown to just over 63,000 people, up 8,000 from the 2010 census. Wow. Okay. I know. You wouldn't think that would draw people. I think Oklahoma Could was be a big... because of the Oklahoma City? No, I think it was also Super a big Barry. part of the fracking boom, too. Mm. It was, actually, I'm sure I'm positive Oklahoma was. Okay, so that maybe. That probably has something to do with it. Maybe. But I'm not... I wouldn't, I mean, I'm not, look. I'm never, ever going to live in Tornado Alley. No. Even if I'm offered a job that pays me a million dollars a year, maybe then. <laughs> then I'll build, like, a badass, like, tornado shelter. Just an underground house. Yes. Just a, an Actually, underground yes, house. That's exactly what I'll build. Yes. And you'll be able to find it because I'll plant a tree on top of it. <laughs> but like, it'll get wiped house. out in all the tornadoes. Yeah, if the they'll tree, just keep building their yeah, they'll just keep replanting a tree. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, man. Fuck living there. There's, I mean, there's no way. There's no way. You know, to move there, certainly. But if you were born there, if you were raised I, oh, there, Oh, of course. You know, I get that. Get you're, then you're just... Or or if you relocated there at yeah. a different time prior like, to the, you know. It's like where I grew up. It's like, who wants to deal with, you know, a, you know, all of a sudden you have like six feet of snow over mm-hmm. the course of a weekend. Like, you just grow up there and you don't know anything different. Same, like, like same just, with you know, hurricanes. Oh, we, oh, we had we survived three tornadoes last fall mm-hmm. or last spring. That's just you know people could say like why the fuck would you want to live in Raleigh with the fucking pollen every I that's mean true. like every place <laughs> yeah, every has pla- their thing no, now no place pollen is perfect, may not be life threatening so much. Was that Trina? No, I don't know what that was. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, every place is no place is perfect. Probably except for like Monaco. <laughs> but, but, but you uh, can't gamble if you live true. there. You can just go to France. You, <laughs> you just go. walk to France. But uh, yeah, I've I've well, I've been fortunate my entire life. I've never lived in like a severe. Well, I mean, the I, worst I've ever dealt with is a blizzard and like the after effects of a hurricane. Well, I I've at. lived in yes, a hurricane prone area. Yes, also, southern Indiana was kind had some sure tornadic had some activity. Not to this level, certainly. We get them here occasionally, but very seldom. We get some warnings and watches now and again, but we don't get big ones. We no. just get, like, occasional yeah. little things that happen. But All right. Mike Morgan, Damon Lane, and David Payne remain at their respective posts, as do Emily Sutton, John Welsh, and Jim Gardner. It has taken a little over a month and a half to start and stop writing to finish this script. During part of that time, I was back in the Oklahoma City area storm chasing and dealing with the thieving wind that never seems to stop blowing there. My last day there, I chased a line of storms from Kingfisher, northwest of Oklahoma City, south through El Reno and over to Moore. As I got into Moore, the line of storms was supposed to be dying out, but more lightning bolts than I expected snaked across the pinkish-purple sky, and the storm seemed more potent in Moore than what David Payne had been describing in the app on my phone, which I had listened to throughout my chase. While I was there, I did something different. I had purposefully avoided driving in the neighborhood around Plaza Towers, in particular the site of Plaza Towers Elementary School. 
When I read Holly Bailey's fantastic book, The Mercy of the Skies, without which this script would be much more of a threadbare story, I had purposefully skipped the Plaza Towers portion. I finally read those portions to be able to write the script. When I arrived in the Oklahoma City area this year, I ate at a restaurant in Moore. The young woman who was the waitress for my table asked what brought me to the area, which led to a conversation, and it turned out she had been a fifth grader at Plaza Towers in 2013. To yep. Jeez. She rode out the tornado in a bathroom there. So on the last day of my storm chasing trip this year, I finally drove past the rebuilt Plaza Towers for the first time. As I looked at the rebuilt school, a rainbow arched across the sky over oh. the school. That was the most at peace I have found, felt about my memories of May 20th, 2013, since it happened. At the one-year anniversary memorial service, Mayor Glenn Lewis said, quote, We hope this never happens again, but this is more Oklahoma, and we are probably going to have another tornado someday, unquote. Yeah. Barnes closes her book with a beautiful line that I concur with, quote, and so it goes in Oklahoma, where people have long grown accustomed to living at the mercy of the sky. End quote. I want to close this by dedicating this script to everyone directly affected by the events of May 20th, 2013 and more, but especially the families who lost loved ones that day. Very nice. And that, my friends, was Al's wonderfully told story yes. of the terrible events of the... 2013 more oklahoma ef5 tornado um al did send us some pictures he said that um he wasn't sure of the copyrights on them which i under totally understand. Oh, okay so i was we'll just, just take a look i was just gonna ask are these his pictures but i guess he wasn't doing that really was he or was uh, he, he didn't specifically yeah. describe i think these are just more for illustrative purposes so this is the school mm-hmm. prior that was That's the school just, that was the school this is what it looked like after. Jesus. It just looks like dumb. The thing about... It looks like a bomb hit it. Yes. The thing about um, tornado disaster areas is they just look like demolition mm-hmm. sites. Like, they really, really do. Oof. Hold on. Let me see what this is. This is the damage around Santa Fe Street. Remember he mentioned? Mm-hmm. This is the row effect. Look yeah, that. that's it crazy. Is, it is just like... It's like crops, right? Like rows of crops on a farm. It's it's wild. Yeah. It's creepy. Creepy as fuck, too. Um, this is the path okay. of the tornado. Yep. It's a little hard to see on my little phone, but... No. Wow. It's... Yeah. Um, oh, this is Jennifer Doe and the, the teacher who was pregnant being pulled out. Oh, okay. Uh, oh, boy various debris look at the cars just just on top of things that's what it looks like it really just looks like demolition sites just yeah i mean nature's demolition i guess huh oh yeah i mean just everything is flattened and just absolutely leveled that must be the hospital oh maybe it is let me see yeah yes you're right you're right Mm -hmm. oh this al took this was a he did a video tour. Oh wow. Of this is the elementary school. Yeah, it was the elementary. I mean, yeah. There's just nothing. Oh my god. Um, what's this? Let's see. The new school, maybe. No, no, because we're gonna see the after picture. Oh okay. 
Um, Briarwood Elementary before, mm-hmm. after. It's just it's so leveled. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's no other way to say it. It's just oh, the bowling alley. Nothing. It's just again, you can't tell what any of this was at one point. Oh man. Wow, Al. Well done, sir. That was that was very. Yeah, tornadoes are fucking scary. Just I mean. Thankfully, they don't last very long, but the amount of damage that they do in such a short amount of time Really, is, really short amount of time. It's just, terrifying. It's extraordinary. I mean, how can how can a weather event do that? I know. It, it, it almost it, seems impossible. But it yeah. can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, that, uh, that was an amazing... I really appreciated the first-hand mm, nature absolutely. of it. Al, I appreciate you being so open mm-hmm. on and, all of it. And for being a storm chaser. Yeah, that is um, for very clearly for purposes of um, forewarning and yes. helping and assisting and research. And and research. Yep, it's it's a very they're valuable not, they're not service. Just a bunch of cowboys out there doing it for fun. No, no, no. Um, so, and I mean, not that. There, I mean, I do. Th- my guess is that there are some just unhinged cavalier storm chasers out there who you've are just doing be, it for fun. Well, but you, you've got to be a little bit nuts. <laughs> I mean, you just have to be. Well, you know, it's like, it, you know. Well, you know what? You have to be. Yeah, you, you have to be bold in the way that, like, people who are willing to risk something yeah. for a for a purpose, what yeah. they feel is a valid purpose, you know. So I'm hesitant to call anybody nuts for doing that. It's more just a a level of boldness that maybe is not as understandable to some. (laughs) See, I call that just being a little off. (laughs) Like the goalies, right? (laughs) Yes, exactly. But that that was extremely well done, Al. Thank you so much. That was... If we if we had done research, it would have been like oh, a forty have, minute. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, it wouldn't have been, but it no, would have. But the perspective obviously wouldn't have been the oh, same. Oh, absolutely not. Uh, Those we, we don't we, we're not natives of Oklahoma, so no. we don't know. Or or uh, we haven't even been there. No, I've, I've never, never been, been to Oklahoma. I've never, I've never even flown in there. Same. That's like or, the one state I've like literally never stepped foot in. One of the few. Well, you know what I take from this? We're going in the winter. Yeah, we're not going <laughs> no in the spring. No time around tornado season. No. Period. End of. <laughs> oh, good job, Al. Or in good the fall. job, Al. Like Oklahoma's pretty cold in the winter, I'm sure. Yeah, maybe. We'll, we'll, we'll go in the fall. Um, and also, can I just say, like having interacted with Al, all virtually, but still, like we talked to him on our Zoom. Uh, the, our our live episode, messaging him, emailing with him. I'm not sure. It's been a long time since I've met such a nice person. Mm. Like, really genuinely very nice good. human. Very, very nice person. And I am... I am very happy and honored to have just gotten to meet and interact with him. And I'm very... I'm very grateful that he contributed this this script his perspective and information um for our benefit which is really mm-hmm. yeah exactly like this is an this would be an amazing long form article you and, know <laughs> and he obviously like went through some things writing it mm-hmm. having to face some yeah. very traumatic things mm-hmm. and and he did that so i hope i really hope al that you did that 
this at least in some part, if not mostly for yourself. For yourself. Yeah. Yeah. That that it made you feel cathartic or something, you know, to have written this. Um and then that you let all of us who are listening benefit. Yeah, absolutely. From it. That's very kind. Very kind. We have we have the best listeners. We do. Yes. That's why there are so few. Because it's only the really great people who make it through. Yes. (laughs) So that was the May 20th, 2013 Moore, Oklahoma EF5 tornado. This has been another episode of All Bad Things. I'm David. I'm Rachel. We'll see you next week.